Hello, I'm Ellie Warden. Welcome to the Heart to Mind Transformation Station, sharing stories related to the importance of building legacies that lead to greater health and wealth within your family. Come on, get on board. Welcome to today's podcast. And do we have a guest for you? But first, let me say hello to my co-host, so appropriately named Jerome Smart. Jerome, what's new in your world today? Hey, Ellie, how are you doing? Uh, technology. It's new not only in my world, but you know, it's, it's driving everything, artificial intelligence, innovation. Every sector in business and finance is being driven from technology. So I am just uh, exploring ways to automate my processes and the scalable parts of my business and improve my customer response as well as increase and improve my customer service components as well. The other day we were talking about that and how technology has really changed how you do business in real estate and in insurance. And certainly for me in publishing, it has made a huge difference. Um, you think it's a good thing, a bad thing? Uh, I definitely don't think it's a bad thing. You know, it is change. And anytime there's change in place, you can either go with it, learn from it and improve from it, or you can fight it. But even if you're fighting it, that doesn't mean you're going to stop it. It's a good thing, but technology brings other components into managing the business that tend to exclude people. So it becomes more, like I said, automation as opposed to having a business that's people-oriented uh, and life-oriented being driven by a person. It doesn't really allow you to build that legacy, that family business legacy that we kind of became used to when we were younger. Yeah, but I don't think anybody wants to be the insurance person going from door to door collecting checks anymore. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just continuing to work on trying to build my own legacy and be better at finding ways to do things easier. I understand. Well, Jerome, when it comes to talking about building a legacy, today's guest is the epitome of legacy. If you were to go in the dictionary and look up the word legacy, her face would pop up. I'm telling you. Well, you know, I've researched our guest and her story is intriguing. I am looking very much forward to having this conversation and learning more about how she got to this point and where she goes from here. Well, I'm proud to introduce Dr. Betty Kearse, and she's a native of Tucson, but she grew up in Northern California. She's got a BA in genetics from the University of California at Berkeley, a PhD in biology from New York University, an MD from Case Western Reserve University. And in, in between doing all of that, she's still married. She's got a daughter. She's got two, she put it, adorable grandchildren. I think I put adorable in there because all grandchildren are adorable, even other people's grandchildren. But, <laughs> but the reason that she is on the show today is because she is one bad mamma jamma. <gasps> Can I say that on the air? Well, you know, if Carl Carlton can put it in a song, you can most definitely use it on the air, especially when it is so apropos. Okay, great. I'm glad I've got your permission. I'm going to make a note of that <laughs> in, right. in case the, uh, the podcast police come after me. <laughs> but anyway, Dr. Betty Kearse is the author of a fascinating book called The Other Madisons, The Lost History of a President's Lost Family. It's her memoir. And she has published other essays and personal narratives in about over a dozen national journals and newspapers, including the big ones, the Time Magazine and the New York Times. 
and her research for The Other Madisons received extensive media coverage in The Washington Post. She's got a list of awards as long as your arm. Let me tell you, the National Association of Black Journalists, the International Afro-American Historical and Genealogy Society. She's been an awardee for the Nonfiction Memoir 2021 Bronze Medal winner of the Reader's Choice. This is big. The Library of Virginia People's Choice. And I tell you, this is a big one. The Marsha M. Greenlee History Award given by the Afro-American History and Genealogy Society. I don't know how she's even had a chance to breathe, but we want to welcome Dr. Betty Kearse to our airwaves today. Welcome. Thank you, Ellie and Jerome. I am really looking forward to our conversation and sharing my story with, with your listeners. Well, we're looking forward to it as well, but we first want to just, you know, congratulate you on tremendous accomplishments and still appearing to be a sane person <laughs> with, with a normal family. <laughs> but you bring a fascinating story to the world. We're honored to be able to help you spread it um, because we talk about legacy on this show. We believe that family legacy is important and you knowing who we, your legacy, where, where it starts and comes from, is fascinating and you've been able to put it into words. I thought this was interesting though, when in, in your book, it says your family's credo, always remember you're a Madison. You come from African slaves and a president. Now you're the descendant of the enslaved cook Corrine and her owner and half brother, President James Madison. Now, given the history of this country, I mean, I think we can all kind of trace ourselves back to somebody but you know exactly who your people are. I do. And I've really been blessed that my family has followed the West African griot griot tradition of oral history. So just for your listeners who may not be familiar with that term, a griot is a male or, or um, oral historian, and a griot is the female oral historian. So this tradition started in Africa thousands of years ago, possibly before the birth of Christ. And when Africans were stolen and enslaved, they did not leave that tradition behind. And so many African-American families are, continue to follow that tradition. And I think now, even more than ever, that we are realizing just how important oral history is especially to African-American families, because that is often all that we have. That is very true. And I was just thinking, though, as I was reading this motto, that's a pretty tall order emotionally when, when you think about that. This is what your credo, everything that you've been doing, that you've lived, is kind of based on this credo that you are this descendant. And that's a pretty tall order. How have you, did you feel that that created extra pressures for you growing up? Well, <laughs> you mentioned the family credo. Always remember, you're a Madison. You descend from African slaves and a president. And, you know, so I grew up knowing that I had a responsibility to honor both sides of my family, you know, the president side and the African-American side. Whenever I would misbehave, not that I was a naughty kid, but you know, kids, my mother would say, I was a naughty and kid. And then she would repeat that. 
And so that would kind of like, you know, throw, get me back into line. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, the expectations, um, they could, could be daunting sometimes because that's a lot to live up to, especially for a kid. And then as you get old, as I got older, the responsibility and my awareness of the responsibility is increasing and increasing. So I've tried to make the most of my life, <laughs> you know, honoring these ancestors. And, you know, when you're trying to make the most of your life, you really are going to be pointed in the right direction. And most of the time you're going to get something out of. So, Dr. Kears, this, as you all, as you well know, this is a tremendous story. It took you 30 years to write the other matters. Tell us a little bit about that journey and the obstacles that you faced in bringing this story to life. It was quite a journey. And I would say, even though the book is done, I'm, I'm still on the journey because we should never stop growing and learning. But I was a pediatrician in Boston for more than 30 years. And I loved it. And I think I was pretty good at it. <laughs> but I always sensed that my life's purpose was something else. And it was probably in 1990, when my mother delivered to me the old cardboard box of family memorabilia, that made me the griot. That means I was responsible. It was my turn to be responsible for the stories and for the artifacts in this box, which had been collected over generations. It's really a family treasure. And I think that's when the journey began. And my, I asked my mother, why now? And she said, I want to give you plenty of time to write the book. Now, I actually didn't know I was supposed to write a book, but, you know, I, I, I took it on. And when she said that, what she meant was that she wanted me to write down our family's stories so that they would not be forgotten. But she also meant that this is the time for our family story to become part of America's family story. Right. And, and additionally, she had a concern that as we, as our family kind of got comfortable with ourselves, we would forget the struggles that our enslaved ancestors and those, you know, who had to live through the reconstruction period, the Jim Crow period, that we would forget all that and all the, their strengths. Right. that were passed down to us. So I wrote that book. I wrote a whole book of, of family history, but my family's story is just one of millions. And so I thought that maybe I should turn this into a book of fiction so that my family could speak to other families right. before other families. And so then I wrote that book, but I'm not really a fiction writer, I learned. I'm a memoirist okay. and, you know, because I had something myself, to, you know, to say. So please stop me if I'm just going <laughs> on and on. To no, you're not going on and on. That's actually okay. what we can have you because here for. You know, to tell I, us about your story and your journey. Okay. So um, I wrote a memoir. I ended up, well, before I wrote the memoir, actually, I wrote a series of essays. Uh, and I realized that there were themes and messages. And so I sort of, began putting them all together. And what the first time I put them together, I knew there was something missing. And what was missing was me. Mm -hmm. You know, I was telling other people's stories, but I really wasn't in it. And so sort of to bring it alive and help people to connect with it. You know, people like to connect to people. 
Right. So I, I put myself in it and that was really the hardest part, but also the most important part because there is a lot of pain in that credo. The credo, which has inspired some eight generations of uh, Black Madisons, is intended to be a source of inspiration and pride. But it resounds with the abuses of slavery. So I decided to confront those abuses. I decided I would try to walk in my ancestors' footsteps. And it takes time to do that. So I traveled to Lagos, Portugal, for the transatlantic slave trade, to Ghana, West Africa, where my family's first African-American ancestor in America was born. And her name was Mandy, or that was her slave name. We don't know her real name. Mm-hmm. And I went to um, Baltimore, Maryland, where is a replica of a slave ship, like the one that had carried Ma- Mary Mandy away from home to sort of get a sense of what it was like to be stolen and taken away from everything you knew and everyone you love and end up in this wretched ship, which no representation can really reveal what it must have been like. But I tried. So I went to Baltimore to this great Black Figures in Wax Museum. And I went to New York City because an 18th century African burial ground had recently been discovered. And I wanted to know how had my enslaved ancestors been buried. Now, they were not from New York, but African traditions continue wherever the enslaved people end up. So I learned a lot about that. What I, that story is important because I learned that enslaved people were buried as individuals, as individual loved, honored, and to be remembered uh, individuals. They became, they developed, they were given to very traditional, very carefully followed burial practices, which elevated them to the level of ancestor. So anyway, I'm talking about all these travels. So that, you know, that took a lot of time. So I I talked about how the book had different lives, how I had to do all these travels to try to understand what my enslaved ancestors had experienced. But I also had to confront a lot of obstacles. The people at Montpelier were wonderful to me. That's Montpelier is James Madison's former plantation in Virginia. And they've always been wonderful to me. But other people, such as members of the, let's say, the sort of recognized Madisons, were not so wonderful with me. They were not happy that I was doing this research and and writing this book and telling a part of the story that they just didn't didn't want told. So there was that obstacle of them not wanting to share um, information with me. And moreover, you know, records were burned you know, throw, deliberately destroyed in other ways. It was, you know, the, the archival record was incredibly difficult. But important part of what took so long is that I had to grow as a person. Uh-huh. I'm a spoiled, <laughs> grew up kind of spoiled and, and quite protected. Uh-huh. And uh, so, but in order to really get into this book and the whole story that I wanted to tell, I had to face those painful parts. And those painful parts affected me deeply. 
especially what happened to the women. So I'm a descendant of a president and who was one of the most powerful people in the world and a descendant of a slave who was one of the most vulnerable people. And in my book, I use the word rape. Now, that doesn't mean that there was physical assault, but it does mean that there were relationships that weren't balanced yeah, the, the, the women were the women were powerless to, you know, protect or say no, you know, to their own wants or needs. Um, and I can definitely see that this has been a tremendous story to bring to light. And you faced obstacles along the way, just getting the story told. What is the grand t- takeaway, if you can, to these layers of, you know, what you want our listeners to know about you about your story, about your book, and their call to action. My grand takeaway is about the enslaved people and the incredible strengths that they passed down to us. They were remarkable individuals who possessed an inner strength and a sense of hope by which they were able to survive their external situations. But inside, they held on to their own humanity. And also, you know, they had many talents and contributed to this country and ultimately to the world in every way imaginable. And when they died, they didn't take those gifts with them. They, to the grave, they passed them on to those of us who are alive today. We have those gifts. Yeah, very much so. And I, you know, I want especially the young people to reach inside themselves and grab onto and nurture and, you know, use those gifts so that they can continue to make contributions to America just as their enslaved ancestors did. Well, I tell you, I'll definitely accept the challenge to become a student of my own family history. And I encourage our listeners to seek, look into their own backgrounds and find their own story and bring them to life bring those stories to life if they haven't already been told. And, you know, and Jerome, I also encourage everyone to get a copy of The Other Madisons, The Lost History of a President's Black Family. It is available on Amazon. And you can also learn more about Dr. Kears by visiting her website, www.betty, and it's B-E-T-T-Y-E, Kears, K-E-A-R-S-E.com. And you can check out her author's page on Amazon. She is there. She's got fascinating information and stories. We need to help her continue to spread this story. We would certainly love to have her come back for a second interview so we can continue on with the rest of the story. How about that? I would love to. There's more to tell. There is so much more to tell and so much to try to squeeze into a short period of time. (laughs) We really thank you for joining us and we look forward to bringing you back again. Thank you. I look forward to coming back. Yeah, we do too. And so I guess that wraps it up for today. Uh, We'll ask everyone to tune in next week. We're going to take you to a fascinating competition here in Harrison County, Mississippi, the United States Equestrian Foundation AA Rated Hunter Jumper event. Boy, is that a a mouthful. But I was able to hook up with one of the uh, competitors, and she has a great story about how she became basically uh, an equestrian rider in competitions all over the country. Everyone, be sure to stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. 
This has been the Heart to Mind Transformation Station. I hope you enjoyed today's program. You can also find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Tune in again next week.